Acts chapter 1. All the things we've been praying tonight is, is just to explain to you exactly where I'm at in the things of God. I want more of Jesus in my life. And I admit tonight that I'm not there yet. I want more of him. I want more of him. And I start this year by saying life is not an event. We've had plenty of events in the church. And in fact, that's not to go against any event that we're organizing. Dr. Ty had an amazing event. The 450 people came. Amazing event. But life's not just an event. No matter how good the events are, life is a journey. And sometimes we don't enjoy the journey. Sometimes the journey is, is painful. God teaches us stuff. But we want that which is genuine. We don't want something that's just a mountaintop experience. The Bible's about mountains and valleys. God teaches us all the same. It's all about a journey. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times. That word times is the word chronos. Or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Sometimes we can be worried about our future. We can be worried about what God's going to do in the natural. And we can be caught up in the natural. Or we can be caught up with the things of God. Here the disciples are wanting the natural kingdom. And in a sense, you know, we, we want KT, those of us who have been a long time, who consider ourselves to be members of this house, we want KT to impact the world, to influence the world, to, to keep moving forward, to be a voice and, and do the things that God has called us to do. And sometimes we can get into the natural and we can think that this is going to happen purely by a natural thing. But it's not a natural thing, it's a spiritual thing. And Jesus kind of just ignored the question and just said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is a scripture that everybody knows in this house we are familiar with. I felt that God spoke to me this verse. I became worried and anxious, and I was concerned, and we're all praying for the house, and, and I felt it was about me, it was about me personally, and I believe that when persecution happens, when life is difficult, maybe you don't have any money and you don't have enough money to pay the bills and you're, you're anxious about your health and you're anxious about different things and you're wondering, God, are you going to heal me? Are you going to open this door? Are you going to do something? This is exactly what the disciples were in. They were concerned about the natural times. What is God going to do? How is he going to do it? And Jesus just responds by, don't focus on the natural times, but focus on what I'm doing. Focus on receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you focus on receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, your future and my future will naturally be sorted out. Amen. Amen. Because it's about being filled up with God. We've got to acknowledge that we cannot do it. That's what Colin was ministering yesterday. James 4, all those things in James 4, envy, strife, and self-seeking, and we, we all like that stuff. We all get caught up in that stuff. We're all career-minded, and we all dream, and we've been taught to dream, but sometimes self gets at the front of everything that, that is happening, and when self gets in the front, that, that means it's replaced Christ. Self replaces Christ, and although tonight many of us would not acknowledge that self is on the throne, but that's exactly what happens when we lose spiritual power. There seems to be an exchange Self comes forward and Christ goes backwards. And in a sense, what Christ wants to do, he wants to come to the forefront of our lives and he wants self to go to the back of our lives. I never knew, understood John the Baptist. I don't believe John the Baptist, he must have had a special anointing. 
Because John the Baptist was there. He had the glory. He had the heyday. He was the big prophet. He was Elijah to come. But yet when Christ came on the scene, what was his natural reaction? His natural reaction was not my reaction. In fact, my reaction in myself would have been great. There's me, John the Baptist, and there's Jesus. We're on the same level. We're going to do ministry together. And it's going to be awesome in an awesome partnership because we're on the same level. That's what today's generation would say, would it not? We're all equal. We believe in equality. Men and women, we're all equal. No one's greater, no one's less. We're all equal in the things of God. But John the Baptist, his response was one of the kingdom, and he said, I must become less, and he must become more. For me, that's revival. Humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God that he would lift you up. To be caught up with the Lord, it starts on the bedrock of humility. I don't know if any of us can achieve humility on a regular basis. Humility is a journey. Humility is an everyday thing. It's, oh, I achieved humility tonight. Well, tomorrow, what about tomorrow morning? And then the next day after that. Humility is like a bar of soap. You grab it. We don't use soap these days. We use shower gel and things like that. But you grab the, you know, you grab the soap. And it, once you think you've got a firm grip of the soap, what does it do? It suddenly springs out. And you find yourself scrambling to try and get it again. That's humility. You've got a final grasp. So I finally reached the level that God has required for me. And then suddenly, woof, it slipped out of my hand. John the Baptist, he said, I, he must increase and I must decrease. It was like John the Baptist was going to the back. He was regressing. He was moving backwards. And what he was saying, he was saying, you know what? More of Jesus. I've been waiting for Jesus. If this revival or move of God is, is anything, it's going to be where Jesus is at the forefront. Someone said a nameless revival, a faceless revival. What do they mean by that? Simply means that not one of us are going to be on the face of revival times. We're not going to be in the face of the revival. The unknowns will be on the face of the revival. The people who've never been anything in the things of God, they might, God might put them forward. But the most important person to be on the front is, is Jesus. Jesus and his agenda. And there's got to be this fresh passion for the things of Jesus in our lives. I want you to turn back over to Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. He says, repent therefore and be converted that, sins, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who is preached to you before. Sometimes we get caught up in the refreshing. Sometimes we get caught up in the fire. Sometimes we get caught up in the oil and the rain and the manifestation of God. But how many times do we get caught up with Jesus? Jesus is the only person who can satisfy your ministry. He's the only person who can satisfy your soul. He's the only person who saved you. He's the only person who reconciled you to God. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. When you fall in love with Jesus, when something happens to you in your relationship with Jesus, then all the things that you have desired of God for ministry and ministry breakthrough, as have I, we, they'll start to come because Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is on the throne. Self has been removed. And that word times there is the word kairos. Some of us, we know that. Kairos, what is that? It's the timing of God. It's the season of God. Think about 12 months ago, 
Did you think that an unprecedented move of God was going to happen? Did you think that Paul Cain was going to prophesy in November about an unprecedented move of God? Did you think that many other prophets were suddenly going to prophesy? Maybe if you're a prophet and you follow the times and the seasons, maybe you knew, or maybe if you're walking close with Jesus, you knew, but for most of us, probably we were so zoned out, we didn't even know. We didn't realize. We didn't think about what God was doing. We were caught up in just natural timing, going through natural timing, doing natural things, trying to make things work, naturally speaking. But he's talking here about times, the specific moment of God, when God puts his time. When God does something, then it happens. The breakthrough happens. When we try to do something, we're trying to open a door and it doesn't open, and then God just comes and opens it. I thought that was locked. I thought I was not budging, but Jesus just opens it because it's in his time. Turn over to Acts chapter 8. And there's something happening right now. So we are either caught up in the things of the natural or we're caught up in the things of the spiritual. Caught up in the chronological time where we're just doing life or caught up in the things of God where suddenly we've been awakened. Awake in the things of God. Acts chapter 8 and verse 39. It says, Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on their way rejoicing. And Philip was found in Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities. He preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Suddenly here, Philip's doing the work of discipleship. He's witnessed. He saw a man baptized. We know the story. And then it says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and caught him. Caught him up. That word caught is the Greek word hapazo. It means to seize, to catch away, or to pull up, to catch up to pluck, to pull, to take by force. My, my image here is that Philip was ministering naturally. He was preaching. He was doing a one-on-one. -on -one. He was faithful in just doing the one-on-one, -on -one, one baptism. And then suddenly the Spirit came upon him and pulled him up to a completely different level, and he found himself preaching in all the cities. Now, think about you tonight. You might be in a position tonight where you don't have the capacity to preach in cities and towns. You don't have the capacity even to do certain things of discipleship. And maybe you feel restricted and you haven't received a breakthrough and you've been faithful on the one-on-one. -on -one. When you get caught up with Jesus, what happens is he pulls you up and he takes you to a completely different new level. Because if you could pull yourself up, and in fact, we all try to pull ourselves up, God, I can do it. You cannot do it. I cannot do it. It's God who catches us up. He pulls us up to a completely different level. So when we preach to others and we see the multitude saved and we see the miracles, we will know that it's not us who is doing it. It's Jesus who is doing it through us. He catches us up to a completely different level. In 1994, I prayed a prayer. It came out of some... Uh, passion that I developed to pray. It's not like I was praying before. I didn't know how to pray. I was only 15 years old, and my mother was shouting down the stairs one day because I was shouting downstairs because I, I don't really pray loud at all. Um, I'm not really known to pray loud at all. 
When it started there in my kitchen, and my mother sat down and says, who's that downstairs? Can you be quiet? I said, it's me, I'm praying, and just continued to pray. And because something was happening in me, God started to birth something in me. He started to change me. And as God started to pour out his spirit in the church, this developed a hunger. I started getting caught up with God. There'd be nights where I didn't go to sleep. I was, I was getting more aware of God. When you're caught up in the things of the natural, what happens to you if, if you're like me? You start thinking about this stuff. You get caught up in this stuff. And suddenly your mind is just racing and racing and racing. And you're planning and you're planning and you're caught up. You're caught up planning how you're going to pay the bill. How you're going to sort this person out. How are you going to do this? How are you going to change that? You're caught up. Your mind is racing. And sometimes it affects your peace. It affects your joy. You become anxious. You become stressed. Because you're no longer trusting God, you're trusting your ability to try and find an answer and a solution to the problem. God wants to change us. He wants to lift us up out of anxiety. He wants to lift us up out of stress. He wants to lift us up out of fear. So we're caught up with him to a completely new dimension. Amen. And I prayed a prayer and the Holy Spirit was moving in the church in a new way. And young people... I mean, we're talking young people, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, were laying hands on people, and they were falling under the power of God. If you've ever laid hands on somebody, and they haven't fell over, and you've laid hands on someone again, and they haven't fell over, and you've laid hands on someone again, and they didn't fall over, you know you can't make somebody fall over. We do have people who try to force people to fall over, and maybe they do. And if you were like me, brought up in the Pentecostal church, we did some courtesy drops, and me and my brother would have conversations about, did you fall? Yes, I fell. Did you fall? Yes, I fell. And in fact, the reason I fell was because he fell, and we just wanted to be the same. <laughs> so we knew, we know about falling. But you know what? When these young people prayed for people, they started falling into the spirit. They started jerking. They started, you know what? When the Toronto Blessing was, was happening, people started to do funny stuff. But it was the young people who was at the center and I remember praying this prayer. And I said, God, I, I want to see you. I want to I see you in a new way. I, I, I want to get caught up with you. I want to get caught up. And I remember, I remember it because it became an impression upon me, this prayer. God, I want to be caught up with you to heaven. I want to be caught up with you. I want to see inexpressible things. I want to see the unusual. And I poured out my heart to God. And I would not think that this experience was from God unless I'd prayed this prayer. I prayed this prayer. I was young. I didn't understand what I was praying. I just prayed some radical prayer. I want to see you, God. And right at the front of the altar, as young people were praying, one of my friends, he was there. And I started praying for him. He started falling into the power of God, and he was shaking on the floor. As he shook on the floor, I just prayed. I don't know why I prayed it. I don't think I would have prayed it in myself, but it just came out. I said, God, whatever I desired of you, Whatever it was that I desired of you about seeing you, just release it on him right now. Release it on him right now. And suddenly he shook even more and I prayed and prayed and prayed. 30 minutes went by, people were on the floor. And then about 45 minutes later, this young lad, he stepped into a completely different dimension. Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 12, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know. Whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Such one was caught up, pulled up to the third heaven. I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. He was caught up 
into heaven or to paradise and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. I believe that we are going to get caught up into a completely different dimension. We're going to get caught up in love with Jesus and Jesus is going to take us to a completely new dimension. And what happened to that young boy? I can't explain it, but what I can do to explain it in English is that I feel like he was translated into heaven. He was having an open vision of Jesus. And the youth pastor asked him, where are you? And he was kind of flopping around like this. He said, where are you? I'm flying with Jesus, he said. I'm flying with Jesus. Who's there? Where's Jesus taking you? Jesus is taking me all over heaven. And he started to explain all these amazing things that you would look at in the scriptures that describe heaven. And as we begin to ask him questions, he said, well, there's the disciples there and there's different things happening. And he was experiencing the presence of God and he was just literally sweating and just experiencing God. Suddenly, as people found out that this young boy at the front of the church was having this open vision, he was caught up into a completely different realm. Nobody knew that was going to happen. We were just praying more of the Holy Spirit, more of Jesus. The Holy Spirit was moving. And suddenly this guy, he said, Jesus is telling me something. He said, what's he telling you? Jesus is telling me something. What's he telling you? Oh, he's telling me what you guys are going to do in the future. He's telling me what you're going to do in the future. Oh, what's he saying? And then he started, this young, timid boy, 15 or 16 years old, this young, timid boy, started pointing at people in the church. There's about 30 of us left. See, revivals take place at the end of the meeting. Revivals take place when people are ready to stay back and say, God, I am not going to leave the altar until I receive something from you. I have not come to a meeting. I've come to get caught up in the things of Christ. I've come to experience God. Well, I don't believe in experience. I believe in the Word. We believe in the Word. Well, we believe and experience in a real Jesus. A real Jesus that manifests His presence and changes us from the inside out. So we believe in experience, but we believe in the Word as well. And this young boy started to point to people. People in that room, the majority of them are leaders today. And they're doing exactly what that young boy had said. He prophesied over me. He said, you're going to be an evangelist. You're going to speak the word. I was only 16 years old. You're going to travel to Africa, to India, to Australasia, to the world. And you're going to see God move. And he said some other things. I remember just being shocked at what God did. And then he had this emotional experience. I can't explain it, but I can just say it to you tonight. He said, Jesus is telling me to go back. Jesus is telling me to go back. Jesus is telling me to go back. And as he said, Jesus, tell me to go back. He ran into the corner and he cried like a baby for about 15 minutes, just completely wrecked and saying, God, I don't want to leave you. I don't want to leave you. The only thing I can experience, explain that tonight is that he wanted to stay with Jesus because he was having this amazing love encounter with God. He was so close to Christ that he didn't want to come out of it. And I think all the things that God has done I felt like God was saying to me this week, he said, all the things that I've done for you happened as a result of me. Happened as a result of me moving on you, birthing in you, prophesying over you, using others to invest in you. It was all me. And in fact, you are not able to do it. And I felt what the impression was is that God was saying, you need to get back with me. And this is the process that we've all been going through and the process that I'm going through. We need Jesus. 
We need Jesus. We need more of Jesus in our lives. These great experiences, I believe that they're going to happen. They're going to happen. Many of you might, even tonight, you might have these God encounters, and God will lift you up to a new level, and there'll be a burden of a new ministry. A new thing will happen, as Marcelo prophesied tonight. Something new will happen. And those of you who don't receive tonight, don't be discouraged. Don't be downhearted. Just have a desire in you. Say, oh God, I'm not going to leave. The best you can do is lie down on the floor, not leave the carpet, and say, even if I don't encounter God, at least I'm going to encounter the carpet. <laughs> because I'm telling you, that's a desire for God. I'm not going to leave this place until God comes. I see people, we sit down, we leave. God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to come early. He wants us to stay late. He wants us to get up early in the morning. 6.45 every morning, I'm trying to get up. And if I lie in bed, I'm going into the prayer room, even if it's for one minute. I switch the light on, I drop to my knees, and I pray. And I say, more Jesus. More Jesus. And God's being faithful to minister to me and share with me and give me stuff. And he wants to give you stuff. He wants to birth something new in you. He wants to birth something new in this house. I remember that night after that vision. Something just changed in me. I lay awake at night till about 4 a.m. I could not sleep. And I want to tell you, why could I not sleep? Because I was more aware of God. I was more aware of God. I was no longer caught up. Not that there was much to be caught up at a 15 years old, you know, compared to now. I was not caught up in the things of the world. I was caught up with God. And a desire was birthed in me. I remember the next night calling people on the old telephones and saying, listen, we need to pray. I'm, I'm going to go to work, but we need to pray. We need to get with God. We need to get, we, are you available? Can we come around your house? Can we wait on God? And on the Monday night, we went to the, one of the guys' house and we waited on God. And God revealed even more visions and more stuff. And we experienced more of Jesus. That was the burden of something new. And I can tell you today, the only reason that I ever came to Kensington Temple was because somebody put a prospectus on a chair in a Rodney Howard Brown meeting. That person took that back to our church and gave it in my hand. And the only reason that I actually responded to come and fill out that Bible school prospectus is because God was moving in a new way and taking people to a new dimension. And the only reason that I even filled it out is because that man, that young boy, had that vision. And that desire started to build on the inside of me. And it built and built and built until I put pen to paper and said, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do something with God. I'm going to put that prophecy. I'm going to believe that prophecy. And I'm going to go for it. And I want to tell you tonight that God wants to do the same. He wants to do the same for you. He lifted me up. God wants to lift you up. Colin said earlier, the hand of the Lord came upon me. In Ezekiel 3, it says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon me and lifted me up. God wants to lift you to a completely new dimension. It says that he took him out of the river and he sat there for seven days and he spent time in the presence of God and he says the words, and I was astonished at what God was doing. And then God spoke to him and he said, Son of man, I've called you to be a watchman. 
And then it changed for Ezekiel because there God was commissioning him. And he was telling him, listen, I've called you to warn the people. I've called you to pray for the people. I've called you to speak to the people. And yeah, they're not going to allow you to speak. There's going to be some difficult moments. There's going to be some difficult times. And it's not going to be you. And you're going to be chained with ropes. And you're going to be find it difficult. But I tell you, when I come upon you, you're going to be able to speak the things I've told you to speak. Because it's not you. It's me. That's what God does. So I want us just to bow our heads in prayer tonight. More Jesus in our lives. More Jesus in our lives. No one's promising tonight that you're going to have an out-of-body experience. No one's promising tonight that God is going to do that. That's up to God. But there's people here tonight who you are hungry for God. You are hungry for more of Him. And you're tired of the old. And you're tired of going through the motions. And you want more Jesus in your life. More Jesus. More Jesus. More Jesus. More Jesus in my life. More of Jesus. I'm going to ask the team to come and I've asked Matt to do a song. More Jesus. Now you begin to pray in yourself. You want more of God. You begin to just completely zone out from the person next to you. Completely zone out from the person next to you. And enter in. Enter into his presence. But God wants to take you. He wants to take the church to a completely new dimension. He lifted me up. He lifted me up. The Spirit of the Lord lifted me up. He was caught up to the third heaven. The Spirit of the Lord caught Philip up. May us be caught up tonight. Lord, we want to be caught up. Not with circumstances. Not with situations. Not with worries. Not with anxieties. Not with pain. But caught up with you. Caught up in the things of God. Caught up in the power of God. Caught up in a fresh and new way.